my Lanta. Oh, my Lanta. Angela Bowen here, the host of Oh My Lanta, Holy Chalupas, an unofficial Full House, Fuller House podcast. Well, today we are going to be celebrating John Stamos' birthday this month of August, even though, yes, I know his birthday does not come out until the 19th, but I am going to be away on my own personal vacation, so I will be putting this episode out next week on the 13th of August, so getting it out just a little bit early. So, the episode, of course, that I chose for John Stamos' birthday is from Full House Season 3, Episode 13, entitled, No More Mr. Dumb Guy. This episode aired, this actually was the first episode of 1990 in January, January 5th. In this episode, Jesse feels ultimately challenged as he's to meet some of Becky's intellectual friends. So let me read the synopsis on the DVD case. I always like to compare them to see sometimes these DVD Descriptions of episodes are kind of hit or miss. So, let's see. My fair Jesse. Joey lands a, lends a hand when Jesse strives to raise his culture quotient for an elegant soiree. This was good. I liked the wording. I thought it got the point across very, very well. A lot better than this IMDb description. So, to go into further detail, Becky and Danny are interviewing, I believe her name is Cynthia Ryan, who is going to be putting on, like, a gala of a culture night with classical music, talking of art and poetry, and that's Becky's jam. However, Jesse's not really big into that. That's not where he's at. However, enter Eric Trent, Becky's old English professor, who... Becky kind of schmoozes him, like, I remember your lecture on romantic poets or authors or something, and of course, he is just, can't remember that, but he remembers Becky, (laughs) oh my god, so of course, Jesse's green-eyed monster starts to make an appearance, because he (laughs) ends up faking sick to get out of going, so, of course, the Green Eyed Monster shows up when Jesse sees Becky's old English professor hitting on her right in front of him. That would make me angry if I were Jesse. I'd be like, who is this guy? Ugh. So, Jesse tries to do a cram session of books by, you know, Plato you know, Greek, classical music, opera, some paintings, like Monet and all of that, Picasso, all that stuff. 
in the course of less than 24 hours. So he can feel culturally inept to be in the same room with all of those people that have just shocked their brains full of this knowledge over many, many years of college, where Jesse, he didn't go to college. In fact, you know, in season six, we learned he didn't even graduate high school. So, of course, he's going to feel intimidated, and he feels like he's going to lose Becky to her outside interests. It's like, dude, you don't need to do that. And she even says, and I'll get to that later, she says, that's great that you want to read these books, Jess, but do it for you. You know, don't do that for me. And that's the thing, yeah, you want to take an interest in your significant other's interest to feel like you have something to talk about, great. But do it because you want to do it, too, not just because... You feel there's a, a lag in conversation. <laughs> I mean, and I, and I mentioned this in the Sisterly Love episode. You know, before right before Jeremy and I started dating back in 2003, we, you know, we both worked at the video store. And I made a list of, you know, movies that thought, oh, you should watch. I was, you know, I'm really big into drama. And I, I like comedy and stuff like this. So I made a list of maybe less than ten movies maybe a little more than that, of drama movies. Like, oh, you should watch these movies. And Jeremy actually would come in and he would rent these movies and check them off the list I made. And there are at least, like, maybe ten or less books. I'm like, oh, you should read these books. And Jeremy is not a reader. He is not a reader. I even said to him recently, I said, what if my last wish is for you to read a book to me. He's like, well, no, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but he did read those books that I, uh, that list that I made for him. And it's just, I mean, that's amazing coming from someone who doesn't read the fact that he went out of his way to do this and watch movies he probably would normally not have an interest in. I mean, Jeremy's a big, you know, video gamer and stuff. And yeah, I've sat down and tried to play you know, Super Mario Brothers, but it's just, I don't think I have the attention span to keep going, you know, back and repeating the same level over and over and over and over, and I, I can't. Even Mario Kart, we did the Mario Kart game together, and I just, I was, I was bored. I don't know what it is about video. The only game, and I swear... The only game I ever beat, and it was only because Jeremy did not ever, you know, beat the game. I'm like, well, Jeremy hasn't beaten this game, so I'm going to go ahead. And, and I spent a whole day until I won the Simpsons Road Rage game for, I think it was like PS2. I can't even, I think it was like PS2. <laughs> See, I don't, I don't know my systems. But anyway, it's just like. And another thing is, do you ever feel with your significant other or your spouse, do you ever feel like you're kind of in competition? With them? Like, in a way, like, they're so good at things that you want to have one thing that you feel that you can best them at? Yeah. I get that way sometimes. I honestly do. It's just, to me, it's like Jeremy just seems like he's so 
perfectly. He does everything so well, and it's just that one thing I want to feel like I can do better. That's just me. That's just me. There's a low running current of competitiveness that runs inside of me on occasion. So anyway, actually, this episode's got a high. It's a 7.0 out of 10 based on 226 ratings. We do have some guest stars. We have Dana Sparks playing Cynthia Ryan. I want to see if she's been in anything that I would recognize. She is currently on The Young and the Restless playing a doctor. Good for her. And you know what? I used to, the only soap opera I ever watched, and that was All My Children, and that was back in like 1992 and 93. I was hooked on that. I don't know what it was. I think it's the fact that Erica Kane had a daughter named Bianca Montgomery, who was close to my age at the time. So it's, I think that's what drew me in. So it looks like prior to starring in this episode of Full House, she was also in an episode of Baywatch, an episode of 30-something, L.A. Law, Star Trek, Murder, She Wrote, Falcon, wow, she, okay, so it seems like she was a regular on that show, Falcon Crest, that ran from 81 to 90. She was in 51, 58 episodes. Wow, she played a character named Vicky. Vicky Gioberti, I can't pronounce that name. She is currently working, so that's awesome for her. We also have Barry Van Dyke as Eric Trent. Oh my goodness! Oh, my timer's going off, hold on. So, Barry Van, Van Dyke is the second son of legendary entertainer Dick Van Dyke. Interesting. I never would have guessed that. So, yeah, prior to Full House, he was in a few things. T.J. Hooker, he was in four episodes of The Love Boat, The Dukes of Hazard, The A-Team, Magnum P.I., Remington Steel, just a lot of different Mork and Mindy, Eight is Enough. Let's see what else here. The People Next Door. Not sure what that's about. And then Full House. And then he was on Murder, She Wrote. Alright. So it looks like he was in some stuff with his father. He was in Diagnosis Murder. Okay. Cool, cool. Good for him. And the last thing he did, it looks like it's a Christian movie called Heavenly Deposit. Okay. Looks like the guy who plays the waiter has had an extensive resume from, you know, Bruce Almighty, Dude, Where's My Car? Just a bunch of a modern family. All, just a lot of different, yeah, good for him. So, all right. Let's go back to Mr. Dumb Guy, or no more Mr. Dumb Guy, which air, um, Director Bill Foster, writer Jeff Franklin, the creator, and Dennis Rinsler and Mark Warren. I've seen their names a few times on some episodes. Oh, there's connections. The Wizard of Oz, Joey sings If I Only Had a Brain, and Jesse quotes the film. Citizen Kane, Joey co coaches Jesse on how to talk about classic cinema and instructs him to say that Citizen Kane is a classic, or isn't a class by itself. The Price is Right, 
Jesse says that the game show for which he is best suited is The Price is Right. Jeopardy. Jesse says the par- that the party will be he will be attending with Becky will be a room full of Jeopardy con- champions. Let's see, is there any trivia? The episode is titled after the Alice Cooper song, No More Mr. Nice Guy. And that song, and I, I know I've heard it. Because, yeah, I've heard that song before because as soon as I started reading that trivia, that song started playing in my head. I bet anything Jeremy's probably got that on one of his playlists that he's played when we went on drives. We actually did go on a drive over the weekend. We drove to Arkansas, which is a little over three hours away. So now we've hit almost every state that borders Texas, except for New Mexico. Because that one, I don't think we'd be able to do that. And back in the day. Well, I wouldn't be the one driving either, so. (laughs) Another piece of trivia, the one-minute version of the theme song is used. All right, we got a goof. Eric answers that Sammy Davis Jr. was 5 foot 3 inches tall, and Jesse does not dispute that. However, Sammy Davis Jr. was 5 foot 5. 5 foot 5 inches tall. Okay, so he's 3 inches taller than I am. Cool. All right, so we do have one review here by Mitch RMP. This is from April 20th of 2014. Gives it an 8 out of 10. Titles it, Oh, But I Am Smarter Than You. It was absolutely wonderful to see John Stamos sparring with the Van Dyke guy. Is it Jerry or Larry? (laughs) I loved him in Diagnosis Murder when he played alongside alongside its father, Dick Van Dyke. In this episode, he plays an intelligent old professor of Becky's, and Jesse gets jealous. So jealous, in fact, that he checked out a ton of classics from the library, War and Peace, and Crime and Punishment, etc. Besides the two titles mentioned above, and a funny dialogue with Mr. Van Dyke that will leave you chuckling, there was also (laughs) mention of Citizen Kane. Meanwhile, Michelle is being taught unkind words by her sisters. The sisters, when ordered by their father to retrain her, find that undoing the teaching is almost impossible. Yeah, I think definitely this episode does teach the fact that younger siblings are going to do and repeat what their older siblings say just because that's how it works. And even the thing with, you know, kids repeating what their parents say and stuff. So it's like, you gotta kind of watch what you say and do around your kids. Because, you know, it's it's almost like Vicky the Robot. When you say something in front of her, you know it's going to come out later in an embarrassing un- and uncomfortable way. <laughs> and if you don't know, Vicky the Robot is from Small Wonder. That it's another podcast that I do, a monthly podcast called She's a Small Wonder, which is on the Looking Back on My Wonder Years, a Wonder Years podcast, if you want to check that out. I'm currently into season two at this point. So yes, like I mentioned, August is all about Sisters Double Feature. Last week was Sisterly Love. This week we're celebrating John Stamos' birthday a week early. Next week is going to be all about 
Sisters Day again. Celebrating sisters for the month of August with Take My Sister, Please! From Season 5. <laughs> and of course, September, October is going to be the back-to-school month where I cover for school-related episodes. And those episodes will be, for September, I'm doing Nerd for a Day, and a pinch is just a pinch. In October, I'm covering Working Girl and Stephanie Gets Framed. So yes, there are plenty of school-related episodes between Full and Fuller House. That's usually what I use the month of September for, is to cover back-to-school-ish type episodes. And of course, October being Elias Harger's birthday, he plays Max on Fuller House. I'm covering basic training, which does deal with Max skipping a grade and starting middle school. So that also can be also tie into the back to school series. Cause I'm calling this one, you know, series part. I think it's like part three at this point because I've already covered Back to School Part 1 and Back to School Part 2. I covered that one last fall, so yeah. As far as November and December, those months are kind of still up in the air. I do have plenty of series and double features that I, I have a whole list made of different series and double features and triple features, however you want to call it. I got plenty of them planned. I'm really honestly thinking of covering dating disasters for Valentine's Day. Which triple date is going to be included in that. Also, also Lust in the Dust and The Dating Game. Those are going to be for February. Okay, before I officially get into the episode, I want to let all you Tanner newbies who are just tuning into the podcast, first of all, I want to say welcome. And second of all, I want to let you know where you can follow along with the podcast to find out what episodes I'm going to be doing each month. Because I don't go episode by episode, season by season. So Instagram, OMHC, Full House, Fuller House Pod. And Facebook at All My Lanta Holy Chalupas, an unofficial Full House Fuller House pod podcast. So uh, with Facebook, just type in Full House Podcast or Fuller House Podcast. The All My Lanta Holy Chalupas podcast Facebook page will pop up. Also, if you have Full House memories, if you have top five favorite characters, top five worst characters or top five episodes best worst I want to hear about it if you have full house memories I want to hear about it if you have awesome family friendly full house or fuller house fan fiction I want to read about it so send me an email at omhcfhfhpodcast at gmail.com I always Put the email address in the episode description on SoundCloud. So, Also, if you've been listening for a bit and you really enjoy the podcast and you want to support the podcast, I don't do Patreon, so I don't ask for money. This is completely free to you. 
So all I ask in return is if you got a minute, just jump on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, search Full House Podcast or Fuller House Podcast, and leave a review. All five-star reviews help the podcast get noticed by other Full House and Fuller House fans like yourselves. Another thing about this podcast that kind of sets it apart from others, this is a clean, family-friendly, Full House, Fuller House podcast. I did want to be the alternative to other Full House and Fuller House podcasts out there that are more adult-oriented, that aren't so good for kids' ears. So this way, this you know this is a podcast that you can listen to with your kids around, that you can listen to it on a speaker and let it play and not have to worry about muting it or pausing it if younger ears are in the vicinity. So, all right, without further ado, let's jump into the cold open of No More Mr. Dumb Guy. So the cold open, of course, is set in Michelle's room. We have DJ and Stephanie brushing Michelle's hair. She's got a pretty dress on. They're saying how we're going to make you look beautiful for Grandma. And Michelle says, three-year-old Michelle says, I really hope so. (laughs) And DJ even says, don't worry, we're going to make you look like a movie star. So DJ has Michelle go over to her little pint-sized child standing mirror and look at her reflection. She says, okay, Michelle, what do you think? And Michelle says, no good. I still look like me. Oh, goodness. So Michelle goes over to this little plastic push cart. It looks like a grocery cart without the handle. It's just basically a basket on wheels. And there's a blonde wig in there. I don't know where it came from. But Michelle puts it on her head. And I love how Stephanie tells DJ, you know, doing her hair was so much easier when she was a baby. And DJ says, I know, she was bald. Well, not really. When we see her in the first episode, she's got a head of hair on her. I love how Michelle puts this wig on. And she's, like, using her fingers to comb through the big hair and she said now I'm a movie star (laughs) adorable she says let's go see grandma (laughs) Michelle walks out of the room with the wig on and I love how Stephanie stands up and says right behind you Jaja so I always kind of wonder because there's a cold open in the greatest birthday on earth where, you know, Jesse, Stephanie, and Michelle get locked in a gas station bathroom. And uh, in that cold open, DJ's like, she's got the tape recorder. And she says, come on, Michelle, let's make a tape for Grandma. I'm thinking, what if it be easier just to call her on the phone? And I always kind of wonder what Grandma... My guess is they're referring to Danny's grandmother. Because for the time she was living in Washington. And then eventually... In Granny Tanny, Danny says, well, I'll help you get an apartment in the city. But then again, I mean, we never see Danny's mother after that, so. I usually, I just like to think that Jesse and um, Pam's parents, they're, you know, his parents, I think, live close by. They don't live too far away. Whereas Danny's mom, on the other hand, 
prior to moving to an apartment in San Francisco, she lived in Tacoma, so that's probably who they're talking about. Maybe she's making a special visit. Do you think if it were Grandma, it would be Danny's mom? Because if it were Jesse's mom, it would be Jesse's mom and dad. Because you usually don't see Irene without Nick being there. Michelle, you are going to look so pretty for Grandma. I would hope so. Well, don't worry. We're going to make you look like a movie star. <laughs> Go take a look. What do you think? No good. I look like me. <laughs> Doing her hair was so much easier when she was a baby. I know. She was bald. <laughs> now I'm a movie doll. <laughs> Let's go see Grandma. Right behind you, Zsa, Zsa. So we come out of the intro. We are on the set of Wake Up San Francisco where Becky and Danny are... Judge it. They're judging. <laughs> Excuse me. No, they're interviewing Cynthia Ryan, who is going to be. Oh, it's a festival of cultural arts that is going to be put on by Cynthia Ryan. And Becky, right away, you can tell in her voice, she is very impressed. And you know, you're going to see her there. Because she tells Cynthia, like, wow, this sounds like this year's festival of cultural uh, of cultural arts is going to be the best yet. And Cynthia says, well, we certainly hope so. We'll have opera, ballet, and plenty of free parking. And Danny right away starts schmoozing Cynthia. He says, oh, well, how can, how can you miss with someone like Cynthia Ryan in charge? I mean, just look how she's put together. And I'm like, Danny... And one thing about, I think, honestly, right now, Cynthia Ryan's outfit is in the running for worst outfit of the episode. I mean, already, straight out the gate. It is very, the, it's not even a dress. It's more like a top pant combination. And it just, it looked, the, the color is like, a light dusty rose or very flesh colored you know top and pant combo with matching shoes but I'm not feeling it it just and this woman has slick back short auburn hair and it just the color does not go well with her complexion and her hair color it just really it's drab yeah, and Danny starts schmoozing Cynthia right away. You can tell he is impressed. <laughs> he says, oh, well, how can we go wrong with a woman like Cynthia Ryan in charge? I mean, just look how she's put together. And Cynthia's actually, her chair is right next to Danny's. And you just see her give him this raised eyebrow. <laughs> Excuse me? It's almost like, well, that's very unprofessional of you to say on live television. And Danny quickly pulls himself together as he says, oh, I mean, uh, you put together this fabulous fest festival of culture. But Danny, again, he's like, well, not that you're not put together. I mean, because you definitely, <laughs> uh, Rebecca, tell us we're out of time. And she's like, well, Danny, you are in luck because we are out of time. <laughs> when Danny turns to Becky, she says, uh, Rebecca, tell me we're out of time. And she says, she turns to face the camera because <laughs> goes, 
she's like sitting facing where she would be looking at Cynthia Ryan, you know. But then she turns her head slightly with this nervous giggle. <laughs> You're in luck, Danny. We're out of time. Like this kind of segment went off the rails. <laughs> Danny says, great. Well, I would like to thank our guests. And you see, because Danny's got one leg crossed over the other. As Cynthia is picking up, I'm guessing that's lemonade. She's picking up a glass of lemonade. And Danny, as he's like, he's like getting ready to like uncross his leg. And in doing so, right as she's picking up that glass of lemonade, he knocks it right, and the thing is, the the cup was like half filled, but even still, it goes all over her bland looking flesh colored outfit. My cup, Danny. And Danny's like, oh gosh, I'm I'm so sorry, I, I was uncrossing my legs. <laughs> she looks as Danny is apologizing. She's Cynthia's got like a hand up to her her nose, almost like. She's just irritated and trying to be polite, like, oh, it's, it's no big deal, don't worry about it. I like how Rebecca kind of takes things over quickly, shifting into um, getting away from the situation. <laughs> she said, well, wow, Danny blots our guest. I just like to say, I'm Rebecca Donaldson, <laughs> Donaldson and Danny says, <laughs> and I'm an absolute disgrace. Because he's trying to blot her shirt while she's blotting her face with a napkin. Well, Cynthia, it sounds like this year's Festival of Cultural Arts is going to be the best yet. Well, we certainly hope so. We'll have opera, ballet, and plenty of free parking. Free parking? I'm there. Uh, how can I miss with someone like Cynthia Ryan in charge? Just look how she's put together. Danny! <laughs> oh, I mean you put together this fabulous Festival of Culture. <laughs> not that you're not put together. Okay, you need sure, to stop, man. Rebecca, tell me we're out of time. <laughs> Danny! His foot was like so close to her face. Well, while Danny blots our guest, I'd just like to say I'm Rebecca Donaldson. And I'm a total disgrace. We'll see you Monday. Right here on Wake Up San Francisco. I'm just thinking, if she even if she hadn't had that glass, when Danny uh, tries to uncross his like you know that you know Bob Saget is he's a tall man so it's like even if she hadn't had that glass there Danny's foot is so close that even when he uncrosses he could have hit her in the face because he's facing sideways he and Becky both were when you know they were talking to her and interviewing her and stuff and like my, luckily it was just uh, getting, you know, lemonade all over her shirt. Because can you imagine me, he crossed like, whoa, could have hit her right in the nose. Can you imagine if she had a bloody nose versus, I mean, I, I'd rather have, like, the lemonade all down the front of the shirt over a uh, bloody nose. Jesse, again, showing off his mechanical skills. Well, we don't see it. We just see the after effects of grease or oil smudges on his shirt. He's got some smudges on his face. He's wearing his red backwards cap. He's wearing his jeans, which also have smudges on them because what guy is using something to wipe his hands off when he's working on a car? So Jesse, which apparently couldn't wait because 
Unless he just dropped her car off. He's like, hey, back, fix your car, change the oil, change the filter. She says, oh, I also changed the stations on your radio. You had two set to the news? Well, I mean, she is a talk show host. She probably wants to keep up to date on what current events are happening in the world. So that way, you know, I'm sure as a talk show host, you want to be up to date on what's going on in the world. Especially, you know, whatever certain topics you're going to be talking about. You don't want to appear like you don't know what's going on. Yeah, Cynthia shirt. She says goodbye to Danny. Her shirt is just, her dress, pant, whatever combo. It's just still splattered down the front of the shirt from the chest downward all the way to the, you know, top of her pants. So she thanks Becky for the plug for the Festival of Culture and says, you know, I'll see you Monday at the party. But that's kind of the fact that they would have it, like, at the beginning of a week and not on, like, a Friday night or a Saturday night or a Sunday night. Because I get it, you know, like, well, if we have it on a Friday, everyone's going to be out doing stuff. You know, same thing goes with if we have it on a Saturday. If we have it on a Sunday, everyone's getting ready to start the week. So why don't we have it on a Monday? That way everyone's got their work day out of the way for that day. And then Monday night they can just come and... You know, enjoy the culture, the paintings, the poetry, the ballet, which is interesting because we didn't see any of that going on. Unless there's somebody weaving through the crowds of people doing, you know, ballet poses, which I don't know. It's been a bit since I watched this episode. There could be someone there doing ballet poses, just interpretive dancing or something to that effect. Before Cynthia can get away, Danny's like, hey, Cynthia, here's an idea. Why don't uh, we go to the party together, you know, as a couple? Not, you know, dating or anything, just, you know, a couple of people going to a party. And she says, oh, well, that sounds great. So it's not like she's, like, not wanting to have anything to do with Danny. She actually, I thought after, you know, he knocked that drink out of her, accidentally, of course, that she was like, no, thank you. But then again... Their show did promote the event that she's going to be curating or hosting or whatever. So maybe she feels like, well, I guess I have to go because they did plug my event on their show or something. So now we cut over to Jesse and Becky. And Jesse's kind of like, oh, yeah, what's uh, the deal with this party? And Jesse, of course, goes to sit down. Mind you, he's his... Jeans got oil splot, grease splotches, so Beck, he grabs him right before he sits down like, Where's my seat? Please don't. We don't need to get it smudged. And she says, oh, by the way, you're invited too. And she explains to him it's to kick off the Festival of Cultural Arts. It'll be great. But then again, I mean, this is not up Jesse's alley. She says, it'll be great. It's going to be an evening of Tennyson, Mozart, and Shakespeare. And... Of course, Jesse's like, oh, you know me, Becky. I just, I don't like sitting around chit-chatting about a bunch of dead guys. And she looks at Jesse straight out and says, Elvis is a dead guy. And Jesse says, hey, that has never been proven. I'm sure it has. How many jokes have there been made about? Uh, <laughs> I know there was one on the girl, the Golden Girls about some rag magazine, you know, National Enquirer, whatever, about 
Elvis Presley, like, oh, well, that's the only magazine that Elvis will talk to from Beyond the Grave or something to that effect. <laughs> yeah, I swear there's even one where Kimmy mentions something about Elvis Presley, you know, reading a magazine that talks about Elvis Presley speaking from Beyond the Grave or something, which you know that's a load of horse poop. So, so Becky says, oh, come on, Jesse, it'll be fun. You can meet my old English professor, Dr. Eric Trent. So he's not just a professor, he's a doctor, you know, doctor of, what, English literature or something? Is that, like, where they get, like, PhDs and stuff like that? Like, you get a PhD or a master's, you're all of a sudden a doctor of whatever field you got a degree in or something like that? Oh! Becky, it seems like she probably got out of college, like, if Jesse's 26 at this point, then I would say Becky's probably got to be at least maybe 24, 20, she's probably, I think, I would put Becky probably about a year or two younger than Jesse, so, and it seems like Becky probably got out of college, like, maybe three or four years ago, who knows, or Something to that. Maybe even got out of college like a couple years ago. Right behind Becky's head on the wall there, because they're still on the set of Wake Up San Francisco, there is a picture, a painted picture that says San Francisco underneath, and it does have some of the houses, I believe, referred to as the Painted Ladies. Is that right? Of course, Jesse, you know he's not impressed. He's like, oh yeah, they'll be scalping tickets for that one. Again, he tries to sit on the arm of that chair and Becky, like, yanks him back up. And she says, you know, Jess, it wouldn't hurt you to meet some people. You can talk about things besides rock and roll and motorcycles. And Jesse, of course, takes offense to that. He says, what, that's all you think I know about? And she says, that's not what I said. And, he's, and I'm sure Jesse's like, well, that's what you implied, young lady. Yeah, and Jesse says, you know, let me tell you something. I may have a little grease under my fingernails, but I can hold my own with any of those artsy, smartsy dudes. So she says, great, well, you'll need a tuxedo, and you might want to start washing up now. As she licks her thumb and wipes off, starts to wipe off the smudge of grease on his face. Jesse is actually, I notice he is wearing a red baseball cap backwards, but it's got a C on the back of it. I'm just wondering, like, is that for one of the... It is raining outside right now. It thunderstormed yesterday. And the first rain and the first time in what feels like a long time. I know back in, like, March and April, I did nothing but... In May, I did nothing but complain about how often it was. It felt like it rained for, like, two to three months straight. And then... It went, you know, June, July, and with was real, really no rain. And now it's almost, it feels like a real, it, like, downpoured yesterday. But anyway, anyway. She's not using her, th she, I guess she had, like, a little napkin or something to wipe the smudges off on his face. Hey, man, <laughs> I fixed your car. Uh, I changed the oil, I changed the filter, and I changed the stations on the radio. The two of them sit the news. Well, <laughs> Rebecca, thanks for the plug. I'll see you Monday night at the party. Okay. Uh, Cynthia, uh, here's an idea. Uh, why don't we uh, go to the party together uh, as a couple? Not a serious couple, just, you know, a couple of people going to a party. That sounds great. What's the story of this party? Oh, you're invited to. It's uh, to kick off the Festival of Cultural Arts. It'll be great. It's going to be an evening of Tennyson, Mozart, Shakespeare. 
Heck, you know me. I, I don't like sitting around chit-chatting about a bunch of dead guys. Elvis is a dead guy. That's never been proven. Come on, Jesse. It'll be fun. You can meet my old English professor, Dr. Eric Trent. He's fascinating. He can talk about Elizabethan poetry for hours. Well, we'll be scalping tickets for that one. You know, Jess, it wouldn't hurt you to meet some people who can talk about things besides rock and roll and motorcycles. What, that's all you think I know about? Oh, that's not what I said. Oh, that's what you meant, young lady. Let me tell you something. I may have a little grease under my fingernails, but I can hold my own with any of those artsy-smartsy dudes. Great, then you'll come to the party. You need a tuxedo, and uh, you might want to start washing up oh, now. come on. <laughs> Hey everyone, I'm cutting in here real quick. We are going to be entering the kitchen. Joey's going to be making spaghetti. And Michelle, of course, who at this point is like three years old. And spaghetti is a long word for anybody, especially someone who's learning how to pronounce words. But anyway, I just want to jump in here and say I'm recording in... I guess I want to... It's not... It's like... Supposed to be a dining room area, but that is not what this area is going to be. And the only reason I've moved over to this section instead of my podcasting room, which I made look all nice. I mean, it's, yeah, work in progress, but the internet in there, the it's just weird because in the other apartment, my podcasting room was right, like, the wall on the other side was our bedroom, and that was where our internet connection is. However, now... Our bedroom is on the other side of the apartment, and for whatever reason, the internet connection in my podcasting room is just, it's very, very slow, and it's frustrating, and I just told Jeremy, he's like, I just, I have my smaller podcasting table, let me set that up, so that's what everything is on currently, and it just, it really stinks, because, you know, I got my podcasting room set up just how I want it, now I'm in this little corner, but... You gotta do what you gotta do. I mean, I can't upload. I mean, I can, but it's like the internet just goes in and out over there. And I don't know why the signal is weak. I mean, it's a two-bedroom apartment. The the internet should be able to get to, you know, all the spaces and what. I don't know. I don't know. But for now, I'm just, I'm podcasting out here in this little corner area of this dining area this table actually i'm podcasting on is i wanted to be like a table for like board games or like if i want to put together a puzzle or something so yeah so all right let's get back to joey and the spaghetti slash puschetti <laughs> debate with michelle so, yeah, DJ and Stephanie come down the stairs, ask Joey what's for dinner, and Joey says, what do you say, uh, thin strands of pasta, petite pieces of beef, and a white wine tomato sauce. And Stephanie and DJ look at each other like, ugh, spaghetti again. Speaking of spaghetti, I was actually planning on doing that this week. What's your favorite brand of spaghetti sauce? Is it Ragu? Is it, um, gosh, what's that other one? Pre Prego? Is that it? I'm trying to, I'm trying to picture myself in front of the spaghetti sauce aisle, and I can't. 
But there are just so many. We usually just go with ragu, old world style, traditional. We don't tend to really, I think we might have branched out of that one time and regretted it with something that just was not good. I think I went with like a three cheese meat or something sauce and it was just, it was nasty. <laughs> so I guess you just stick to what you know. But I know there's probably people out of there like, I don't have that. I make my own sauce, which awesome, cool. I would love to have someone else make homemade pasta sauce for me. I just, mm. And just, I bet anything, homemade's got to be better, most likely, done right, than what you get in a jar. But that's just me, you know, we actually, I'm trying to think, with the meat that I would cook, I would usually just put the sauce into the meat. Uh, but then the meat would kind of soak up the sauce, and it's like, well, so now I just do it separate. I just have the spaghetti and then the meat in a separate um pan and then of course the spaghetti sauce that way you can put as much meat as you want and then as much sauce as you want oh shoot that reminds me i gotta get i gotta i gotta write that down i gotta get some uh parmesan cheese some sh shredded parmesan cheese and some garlic bread of course it's like you can't have spaghetti without garlic bread right and joey are you making garlic bread <laughs> I love how Joey talks when he's telling the girls what's for dinner. He talks in like a fancy Italian chef accent. So it sounds like the girls are sick of spaghetti. Like they probably had it like every other night that week. And maybe that's just Joey. We know Joey's not the best cook. So maybe this is the one thing that he feels he does well. And he's pretty much exhausted this dinner idea. Michelle, we see Michelle sitting in a booster seat, and she says, mmm, paschetti. And, of course, Joey wants to correct her, says, no, Michelle, that's spaghetti. And Michelle says, that's why I said, paschetti. So, here we go. Stephanie introduces DJ to what she refers to as, hey, want to play Michelle-a-phone? And DJ says, what's that? And Stephanie says, well, it's where you whisper something in Michelle's ear and it comes out her mouth. <laughs> oh, God. That sounds, like, um, problematic right off the bat. Yeah, Stephanie says, it's where you whisper stuff in Michelle's ear and then you laugh when it comes out her mouth. That sounds like a way to try to get out of insulting your sister by whispering it in your little sister's ear and having her say it. Because it's almost like you're removing yourself from actually saying the words by just whispering that, mm, uh, no, 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 no. And Stephanie goes, whispers in Michelle's ear. Michelle, looking at DJ, says, you've got chicken legs. Well, hold on a minute. You know what? That is a joke that Stephanie has said. Uh, well, no, she said, like, bird legs. Oh, yeah, there's another episode where she said, hey, Kimmy, Big Bird called. He wants his legs back. Oh, yeah, that's from the Stephanie's Wild Ride episode, which I will definitely get to that. And Stephanie's like, <laughs> isn't that funny? And DJ's like, let me try that. Like, oh, yeah, here we go. <laughs> it's like an insult war with Michelle stuck in the middle of it. Oh, boy. Oh, look at little Comet. He's sitting up to the side of his box. He's just hanging out. It's like, these girls are playing Michelle-a-phone when they could be playing with their dog and giving him attention. 
Even though he's just totally cool, totally calm, totally relaxed. I mean, Comet looks to be maybe about maybe 10 to 12 weeks old at this point. Maybe even 13, 14 weeks old. And this dog is just chill as a cucumber, hanging out in a box. He's not running around. He's not trying to pull on, you know, their pant legs or anything like that. It's like, oh my goodness. So now DJ whispers in Michelle's ear. Michelle turns and says, you're a cheesehead. And of course, Stephanie whispers in Michelle's ear. And Michelle says, how rude. It's like, wait a minute, Steph, 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 Steph. Sweetie, you started this ball rolling. If you don't want to be insulted, don't insult your sister and not expect for her to insult you back. Come on now. That whole you can dish it out, but you can't take it kind of attitude. Yeah. And it just makes me think of the episode, which I, I want to cover in December for... I'm blanking on her name. <laughs> Gia, 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 Gia. What's your real name in real life? Marla Sokoloff. There we go. Bing, bang, boom. Okay. So I haven't done a birthday episode for her, even though she is, you know, minor-ish character, I guess if you want to say. But occasionally I will do a birthday episode for a minor character at least once. So I will be covering Is It True About Stephanie? I'm going to be covering that one in December for her birthday. That's all where she started a rumor about Stephanie because G's got a crush on this guy named Jamie who could care less about her. Not interested. And he go, he's into Stephanie. So G gets jealous, starts a rumor that Stephanie paid Jamie to go out with him. Paid 20 bucks to go, you know, go out with me, Jamie. I'll pay you 20 bucks. And started that rumor all around school. So Mickey and Steph get Gia back by blowing up her report card. And then when Stephanie says, hey, Gia, looks like we're even. Because, you know, Gia's got her head stuck in her locker. She turns and a single tear rolls down her cheek. I'm like, girl, really? Because when we meet Gia in that smoking episode, she's all, you know, she's all sass talk. She's all, you know, insult, insult, insult. Let's pick on Stephanie. It's like, you want to dish it out, but you got to be ready for whatever clapback's going to come at you. Here comes Jesse rolling in the door. He's got, you know, wearing his black jeans. He's wearing, it's not a black leather jacket. It more looks like a, well, we'll see it later. He's got like rolled up posters he's got a bunch of books and i'm thinking so this is monday the event is until like the following monday so he's got like about a week or so before he actually has to go to this party so he's he's doing a week-long cram session I just, I get the impression that Jesse, he's not one of those that, I don't get that Jesse is one of those that reads for pure leisure and enjoyment. He's just, he feels like it's like he's under the gun, like he's being forced to go to this party with all these fancy, smartsy, artsy people, as he calls them, and he wants to bone up on, you know, his, his arts, his Picasso, his, um, 
classical music, all that stuff. You know, classic literature. I love how he's, like, rushing through the kitchen, like, hi, Steph, hi, hi, DJ, hi, Michelle, hi, Joey, bye, Steph, bye, DJ, bye, Michelle, bye, Joey. Uh-huh. And, you know, Joey is not going to let this go without a, huh, was that your uncle? I'm going to find out what's going on. Joey, bye DJ, bye Michelle, bye Steph. Each arm is loaded down with at least five books each. And then he's got like four different posters. Joey says, girls, I'm going to be right back. You keep an eye on the Buschetti. Oh, so it, okay, so it was Buschetti. That's what Michelle would say, not Buschetti. Ten strands of pasta with petite spheres of beef in a light tomato sauce. Spaghetti again? Mmm, spaghetti. No, Michelle, that's spaghetti. That was I said, spaghetti. Open the shell phone? What's that? It's where you whisper stuff in Michelle's ear and then laugh when it comes out of her mouth. So, Jesse is almost up the stairs as Joey comes in like, Hey, Jess, what are you doing with all the books? And Jesse just feigns innocent. Like, oh, well, look, what? Can't a man go into a library and check out some leisurely reading? So he's getting, like, ten books. And not to mention, he said he went to the library. So did they have, like, here, take a free... Monet poster or a free Beethoven, not the dog, but the um, classical musician poster and stuff like that. I mean, we'll see when he hangs up the posters in his room. But, uh, <laughs> and I love Joey. It's like, no, 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 no. This is not fooling me. I know you, Jesse. Where, <laughs> who are you and what have you done with Jesse Katsopoulos? Okay, so yeah, it does look like a black jean jacket. It is really nice. I like it. Okay, those jeans, they're not black. And this better lighting here in the living room, they're more of a very dark, dark blue. So yeah, Jesse explains to Joey that Becky kind of roped him into going to this artsy, you know, festival thing. And how he never went to college and he figures he should bone up so he doesn't look like a bonehead. Okay, I want to ask you all, if your significant other, boyfriend, girlfriend, however, spouse, whatever, is bringing you to something that you really don't have an interest in, kind of in the, you know, the situation, how do you handle that? Do you go the Jesse route and like, well, I better, you know, bone up on my classical music, my poetry, my artist, my classic literature and stuff? Or do you just do your best to just, like, listen, be more of a listener in a conversation than a participant? I don't know. I mean, what would be the better route to go? Just, like, go to it and just 
enjoy being with your, but then again, you're going to probably feel like, well, yeah, but I'm going to go there. I'm not going to know anybody but my significant other. And, you know, people are going to ask me questions and I'm not going to have answers. So it almost looks like Jesse is being, should I say, is the right word maybe being set up to fail here or setting set up to be embarrassed? I mean, Becky is just, you know, she wants her boyfriend there. She just, but, I mean, but then again, how many times have I had I dragged Jeremy to one of those author signings? And like I said, Jeremy's not a reader. And I'm not a big gamer, but Jeremy and I went to, in Frisco, there's a video game museum. And Jeremy was just pleased as punch. He, he was just so excited and everything. And Yeah, I don't know a lot about, you know, when certain video game systems were released or games or this and that. But Jeremy's just a plethora of knowledge on this stuff. And I, I didn't feel out of my element. I mean, I was I was interested. I was excited. So I, I just, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'd say just... Yes, I'm on the fence about this with with Jesse, whether or not. I mean, it wouldn't hurt just to read up on some stuff. Luckily, Joey kind of gives him some tidbits about how to just, you know, a couple things that are basic common knowledge that you can just kind of toss out there if the subject comes up. And Joey says, Jess, that's great. I'm so proud of you. <clears throat> Pretty soon you're going to be smart. I'm thinking... Well, I always thought of Jesse as a pretty intelligent guy. I mean, hello, he is doing a, you know, running a production company, ad agency kind of thing with Joey. I mean, for someone who didn't go to college and someone who didn't even relearn graduate high school, that is pretty good. I mean, when Jesse goes for something and wants something and dedicates himself, he really... He really goes there. He really puts in the work and the effort. I honestly, part of me honestly feels that maybe in a way he feels he's going to kind of lose Becky to, you know, like, oh, maybe you'd be better off with someone who's, you know, read a book before or someone who's into classical music or painting or composers or whatever, you know, classical, you know, that kind of stuff. But Joey goes into a rendition of the Scarecrow's song from The Wizard of Oz. It seems like Joey is doing the movements straight out of... You know what? Let me look up on YouTube. I want to see, like, when the Scarecrow does his smart song. Or brain song. The If You Only Had a Brain. So, yeah, I watched the clip and it was Dorothy was the one that said something. You, thinking you could be another Lincoln. Okay. Joey sings the abbreviated version of the song. He only sings a few lines of it. Because I, I was watching the clip, and I'm like, there's more to this song than what Joey was singing, but I get it, yeah. The show's only so long, and you can only sing so many lyrics. I love how Jesse's, like, put his hands, like, what, what is this? And because Joey's sitting on the ground like the scarecrow, and here comes Comet, puppy Comet. <laughs> Joey like scoops up Comet on his lap and Jesse turns <laughs> the the wicked witch here is like, I'll get you and your little dog too. But Joey was at I don't know whether peanut butter or something on his his hand there because Comet comes over and starts immediately licking Joey's hand as Joey scoops him up.
Jess, what are you doing with all the books? What? Can a man go to the library and check out a classical selection of literature for a weekend of good reading? Who are you and what did you do with Jesse? Uh, Joe, I got roped into this cultural party thing this weekend, and, you know, I never went to college, so I figure I might as well bone up so I don't look like a bonehead. Jess, this is great. I'm very proud of you. Pretty soon you're going to be smart. So you will not be just a nothing. Your head all full of stumping. Your heart all full of pain. With the thoughts you'll be thinking you could be a novel Lincoln if you only had a brain. <laughs> I'll get you. And your little dog, too. All right, so now we're in the living room, and Danny is introducing Cynthia Ryan to DJ Stephanie and Michelle, and it does not go so great. So, yeah, Danny introduces DJ, who shakes Cynthia's hand and says, it's a pleasure to meet you. Or she says, hi, nice to meet you. And Stephanie comes full out with, it's a pleasure to make your acquaintance. And Danny says, this is my littlest Michelle. And we see Michelle, who's looking up, says, hiya, cheesehead. Like, ugh. It turns out Michelle's phone is backfiring. Because now she's just tossing out insults willy-nilly at whoever. Like, no one has to even prompt her or whisper in her ear. And Cynthia, thinking that she didn't hear correctly, she's what? And Michelle says, cheese head. Like, did I not make myself clear the first time it came out of my mouth? She kind of laughs it off like, <laughs> isn't that cute? It's her very first insult. Girls, you shouldn't teach this kind of stuff to your sister. How many out there can say as an older sibling that they taught their younger siblings to say stuff they probably shouldn't? Or as a younger sibling have said things that, you know, your older sibling told you to say, not knowing you would get in trouble because you were too young. And Danny tells the girls... When I get home from this party tonight, I want my sweet little Michelle back to normal, okay? And DJ says, okay. And, of course, Michelle says, okay, chicken legs. <laughs> so DJ picks up Michelle, and she and Stephanie head out of the room. Again, here's another dress that Cynthia Ryan is wearing I am not a fan of. It's just, it, I'm, it's, I'm trying to describe what kind of a red this this honestly makes me the color makes me think of autumn red with the autumn leaves you know how there's orange and yellow and then there's that kind of like a burnt reddish color I guess and I don't know whether those are sparkles or what it's a, the dress it's not it's not flattering I just I don't know and I don't know whether it could be Cynthia's body type like her back and her shoulder, like, her upper body just looks very, I guess you could kind of say, it almost looks kind of, you know, muscular, like, she really works out or something, and there's not a flaw in her, but it's just, I don't know whether it's, like, the short hair or just, I don't know what it is, but it's just, the, her, her, her two dress choices just, are, they're not flattering. They're just, well, actually, no. The last one, when we meet her, was not a dress. That was more of a um, shirt-pant combo thingy. And 
Danny is, oh my goodness. He apologizes for Michelle's cheesehead remark, but then he goes a step further and like, oh, actually in Wisconsin, cheesehead is a compliment. <sighs> it's almost like he's apologizing, but he's, then he's backpedaling. Cynthia, I'd like to introduce you to my daughters. This is DJ. Hi, it's nice to meet you. Hello. That is Stephanie. It's a pleasure to meet your acquaintance. <laughs> and this is my littlest, Michelle. Hi, Ed Cheesehead. Cheese what? Cheesehead. <laughs> Isn't that cute? It's a very first insult. Girls, you shouldn't teach this kind of stuff to your sister. Now, when I get home from this party tonight, I want my sweet little Michelle back to normal, okay? Okay, chicken leg. Sorry about that cheesehead remark. Actually, in Wisconsin, cheesehead is a compliment. And it's funny how after G Danny says how cheesehead in Wisconsin that's a compliment, and Cynthia just kind of smiles it off politely. Like she finds Danny's honesty charming. Real quick, going back to Danny telling the girls they sh shouldn't teach that stuff to Michelle. DJ's got a look on her face where she's kind of biting her bottom lip like, uh-oh. But Stephanie is just a chuckle factory with a... <laughs> like, oh my gosh, girl. <laughs> you're being reprimanded and you're chuckling. <laughs> uh. I like Stephanie's uh, sh shirt here. It's like neon pink with black tiger stripes. <laughs> black tiger stripes. And then it's got a patch pattern on the front with like little tigers and a giraffe and a elephant and they're all the elephant is pure white the giraffe of course is white but has its you know puzzle piece spots and then of course I think that might be a, uh, a wolf a hippo I can't tell and then of course the little tiger in the lower right corner with the stripes the white tiger so now we go up to Jesse's room. He's reading, I'm guessing this is like War and Peace. And you can't tell me he's read all the way to the middle already. I've not read War and Peace. I have no interest in reading it. But he has got his stereo, his little boombox stereo just cranked all the way up playing opera while he's reading. There is also a Chinese takeout bot, uh carton to the right of the jukebox and I'm just like I never noticed that before Jesse also his room is really filled with stuff he's also got his recording equipment in there as well oh there's actually yeah right by that recording equipment where you put those reels of tape there's another carton of Chinese food it's funny because Jesse, it's like he's mouthing the words to what he's reading, and then he keeps looking back at, you know, the to the boombox with the opera coming out of it, and he just, he keeps looking at it like he's surprised, like this woman is belting out these high notes, and he's just like, what? Huh? Like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. And of course, Jesse's like, whoa, what'd she just sit on? And, of course, DJ and Stephanie's room is right across the hall. And 
Stephanie brings in her blue piggy bank and says, please turn it off. You can have all the money in my piggy bank. Just stop the madness. Stop the torture. He says, here, it's every penny I have. And Jesse takes his glasses off. He's like, all right. And you just hear the girls breathe a sigh of relief. Like, she's like, oh. like, I don't know how long he's been playing that, but my goodness. Well, plus he's got his door hanging open. You gotta play that stuff. Turn down the volume. Close the door. Okay, so Jesse explains to the girls how Jesse uh, is taking him to this cultural party. Now I see, uh, so there's a total now of three Chinese takeout cartons, one cup of water or something, and then a cup of like their, what is it, like Shasta or some type of uh, like orange drink, like a can of pop or something. And uh, those three things are sitting on his amp. Did he really eat all three of <laughs> Chinese food cartons? Ah, maybe. Maybe one's got, like, noodles, one's got, like, some type of beef or vegetable, whatever. Or maybe, maybe Jesse's an egg roll type of person. You know, I'm really, I'm not into egg rolls, and Jeremy's the same way. Just, just, I don't know, I'm not a big fan of, like, cabbage you know, lettuce and what like that. Now, if they took one of those roll egg rolls and put like some meat in there that'd be cool i mean i know there's like chicken and 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 beef ones but then you got all the cabbage stuff i'm like no i don't want that so jesse says he's been listening to opera studying art even okay so he put the posters up he's got van gogh he's got monet and of course his picture of semi davis jr so DJ is the one that gives us a, um, a timestamp here. She looks at these, this pile of like 15, wait, how many? One, two, th- one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, like 15 books. She says, you read all those books in two days? No. Jesse took a shortcut. He read the first page of the beginning of the book and the last page of the end of the book. Has anyone ever done that? I never look at the last page of a book. I have gotten a couple books spoiled for me when I look at reviews on Goodreads. Because sometimes they'll say hide spoilers so I'll know not to look. But sometimes people will put what happens in the, no or or it's like i'd be like people would be reading a book and i'd go on like twitter or whatever and someone like oh my gosh can you believe blah 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 and i'm like what the really put a spoiler alert in there would you because usually when i buy when i get ready to buy a book i first thing i go is i go to goodreads because it's like, I want to check the rating. I want to check what people are saying about this book. Usually, any rating that's got a three, 390 and higher. But definitely, if a book has got a rating of over 4 point whatever, it's it's a done deal for me. And as long as I get see a lot of five-star reviews, it's a done deal for me. I know, it's kind of sad. I sometimes let Goodreads dictate what books I'm going to buy. But overall, in the end, it's my own decision. So, uh, Jesse's no, but I read these. Plato the Republic. It's, like, it's it's a tiny book that looks like some Cliff Notes version of... You know, he 
Do the Cliff Notes books, you know, it's like they're like black and yellow striped books. Uh, did those exist back in, when did this episode come out? Uh... 1990? So, did those exist in 1990? The Cliff Notes? He could have just went the easy route and just gotten the Cliff Notes. I've never looked at Cliff Notes type books because I've never really needed them. But I've always been kind of curious just to peek inside and see, like, it pretty much breaks down the entire book for you. Also, one thing, if you are into Stephen King books... A great podcast to listen to would be the Stephen King cast because he's got a whole back catalog and it's, the podcast is done by one person. That actually is what inspired me to do podcasting on my own. But he's got an entire back catalog of all of Stephen King's works going through the whole thing. So it's like, if there's a book like, I don't really read much Stephen King, but it was like, oh, I'm not going to read it anyway, so I may as well just have him tell me the book and then go that route. Kafka, The Metamorphosis. Oh, and of course, he got this book. Is that you, big guy, sightings of Elvis? Really? Okay. So Stephanie goes over to the stack of books. One, two, three, four, five, six. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 15 books. And says, how are you going to read all of these books by tonight? Stephanie is wearing uh, acid wash jeans, which are the jeans that are just covered, like, um, like someone whitewashed them. Yeah, okay, so this is where he tells them what I'm going to do. I have it figured out. I'm going to read the beginning and end of each book. Which, let's just say, yeah, again, if there's a book, like, I'm not going to really read this anyway, so why not just read the first page and the last page? <laughs> I read the first, actually the first line of A Tale of Two Cities. First, the classic line, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. And of course, the last line, as he says, reads, it was, it's a far better rest that I go to than I have ever known. So clearly the guy dies. Would be my guess. And Jesse's like, whoa, surprise ending. <laughs> and Jesse says, ugh, girl. He finally admits, he throws in the towel and like, girls, I can't go through this. I need one good excuse. And he throws on a robe, which I guess you do when you're sick, or that's just the trope of, oh, I'm sick, let me throw on a bathrobe. And he's got a thermometer in his mouth, not the digital readout kind, the glass kind, which more likely that's probably what I also had as a kid like I think I've said in another podcast where I actually have the one that lights up based on the temperature of whether it's a low fever a middle grade fever or middle grade mild fever or a high fever which I think is cool I mean not that I can't tell from the digital readout <laughs> whether it's a, but I just I like the added effect of the colors I think one is yellow, one is green, and then high fever is red. If there's something in Jesse's room. It's right just inside the door. And it says it's some metal tall thing that has, it's like a light sky blue color. And it's got the number 19 written, painted in 
yellow letters, but I'm just like, what? Because Jesse is sitting on, I don't know whether this is like a bench or something that he's got the, the stacks of books on, but he sits there and then he sets his elbow, his arm kind of up on this thing. And I'm like, what is that? Have I, has it been in Jesse's room before? I can't, I can't tell. So, Jesse comes downstairs, he's wearing the blue robe, holding out for emphasis the the glass thermometer as he was, 102. D don't worry, don't worry, I'll be fine. Because Becky's all dressed up, ready to go. Je Danny is in his tux. And Becky right away is like, Jess, you wouldn't be trying to get out of going to this party, right? Yeah, she says, you're not trying to get out of the party tonight. And he's like, no, 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 I'll go to the party tonight and I'll, you know, I'll go to the hospital tomorrow. He sticks the thermometer back in his mouth and says, I know what you're saying, Jesse, don't be a hero. You'll stay in bed. You know, I better do that. I'll go to bed. Uh-huh. And he's like, oh, can you point me to my room a little? And she turns him around. She is irritated. And she's like, thanks a lot, Jess. And she points him to the stairs. Doorbell rings and here comes Eric, Dr. Eric Trent. Dick Van Dyke's son. She calls him by his first name. Eric. And he's like, Becca. I'm like, what is this, son-in-law? Because <laughs> her, her name was Rebecca, but everything called her Becca. Paul Crawl called her Becca. I can imagine. I mean, that definitely is easier to, you know, just say, hey, Becca, what's up? You know? Instead of saying, hey, Rebecca. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but Eric Trent is the only one that calls her Becca. And Jesse, who's standing, you know, at the uh, midway point of the stairs, is <laughs> like, Becca? Like, when Becky introduces him to Danny and Cynthia, she introduces him as Dr. Eric Trent. Oh, she goes on to say how Eric was her favorite professor. And of course, Eric puts a hand on Becky's shoulder and says, well, Rebecca, Becca was my favorite student. And Jesse pops down and says, hi. And Jesse's her favorite boyfriend. Hi, that's me. So, Cynthia's the one that says, well, we should probably get going. Danny gets her coat. It's a nice red coat. And Danny goes to put it on her, slips her arm through, and then basically puts the coat on the front of her. It's like, no, dude. It goes on the back. Danny's like, hey, why don't I take, why don't I just take the coat, throw it in the air, you run under it. And she's like, well, I will get my coat and you can get the door. So Becky goes to say goodbye to Jesse. Oh, bye, Jess. She leans in to kiss him and then she pulls back. Oh, I forgot. You're sick. Feel better, honey. Feel better, sweetheart. And she takes Eric's hand as she says, Eric, I will never forget that seminar you gave on the Romantic Poets. And she, she is really schmoozing him. She says, you were really inspiring. And then this guy, like a jerk, is like, well, I don't remember the seminar, but I do remember you. Ugh. This guy's got some nerve. It's like, you're saying this to her in front of her boyfriend. This guy is a creep. He's a snake. And it, as Eric walks away, he kind of like, uh, claps Jesse on the 
arm just below his shoulder is like, Jackie? And Jesse says, Jesse. Oh, he's going to start to insult him. It's Jesse, you... And Eric and Rebecca walk away. And Jess, as soon as Eric and Becky are out the door, Jesse takes off his robe. He's been wearing that black shirt and brownish-looking leather vest. Is it leather or full? I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> takes it off. He says, I'm going to that party. You know, at first, when he has the thermometer, I thought he was wearing, like, sweatpants or something. But no, he's wearing jeans. He's wearing probably exactly what he was wearing upstairs. He just threw a robe on. One, oh, two. Wow. <laughs> okay. Jess, you wouldn't be trying to get out of the party tonight, would you? Oh, no, 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 no. I'll go to the party tonight, then I'll go to the hospital tomorrow. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Jesse, don't be a hero. Stay in bed and... Actually, I better do that. I'll, I'll go to bed. Could you point me to my room? I'm a little... It's not Jess. Eric. Becca. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Danny, Cynthia, this is Dr. Eric Trent. Eric was my favorite professor. Oh, Rebecca was my favorite student. <laughs> and Jesse's her favorite boyfriend. Hi, that's me. Well, we should be going. I'll get your coat right this way. Oh, this is a nice coat. Oh. Here you go. Thanks. Uh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Why don't I just throw it up in the air and you run under it? <laughs> well, I take care of the coat and you can get the door. All right. She is flattered by him. Oh, I forgot. You're sick. Feel better, sweetheart. Eric, I will never forget that seminar you gave on the romantic poets. You were inspiring. Uh, well, I don't remember the seminar, but I... Do remember you. <laughs> Jackie? Jesse, you. Yeah, he did that on purpose. I'm going to that party. So here's another thing. If your significant other is sick, do you kiss them? Or do you just, you know what, I'll, I'll do it when you're better. Or do you just like, I don't care, it's my significant other, we kiss all the time, we're going to kiss anyway, regardless of whether you're sick or not. I don't know. I mean, Jeremy and I rarely do get sick. I think I tend to, yeah, avoid just because like, I mean, even though it's like, especially if you're living together, it's like, you know you're going to get each other's germs, right? You're in the same vicinity, so... I think I, I usually do. I think it just depends on the type of sickness. Is your nose all runny? Is this, uh, no, I'll wait till after you're better. <laughs> now Jesse's back in his room. He's getting his tux on. He's getting his shirt on. Getting his party clothes on. And he's like, Joey, you gotta help me. See, I'm going to that party and I just... He knows. And Jesse says, I don't want to look dumb in, full, in front of Becky. It's gonna be a room full of champions from Jeopardy. Jesse says, I, and I'm from The Price is Right. Joey's like, hey, Jess, don't worry, I'll help you out. You know, I did more in college than goof off, chase girls, and party. Yes, the beloved fraternity, with the fr fraternity reunion, where uh, the Delta knew whatever stole their coveted seal, and oh, that whole fiasco. Oh, Joey's all right. 
All right. Here we go. Greatest literature ever written. You say, well, I consider it a toss-up between war and peace and crime and punishment. You know he's going to get those mixed up later. Just give him one title to go with. Isn't crime and punishment... Is that by Dostoevsky? Yeah, it's a Foyod... I can't even pronounce the first name. A Russian author, F-Y-O-D-O-R... Fyodor. But Dostoevsky, the reason I know that is because Frank McCourt, who wrote Angela's Ashes, you know, about his childhood growing up as an Irish Catholic in Ireland, in Limerick, when he moved to New York at 19, and he was kind of walking around the, you know, going to bars and whatnot, one of the barkeeps said, you, I can't, I'm not going to serve you until you've read Dostoevsky, which I think it's about some guy who young guy that kills an old lady or something to that effect and I guess the guilt he feels after? I don't know, but that's the only reason I, I know that. The, I've heard of Crime and Punishment before but the name Dostoevsky rings in my mind from uh, Frank McCourt. And of course, War and Peace, isn't that... And all dogs go to heaven when Charlie is trying to help Anne-Marie fall asleep. He reads, and it looks like it is from War and Peace. I mean, you only see pictures, but I think you also see the print on the back of the book. I'm guessing. Even though that's the book, he's telling her the story of Robin Hood. I remember that. And Jesse's like, oh, the thickest book. Yeah, very impressive. What else you got? Okay, as far as for classic cinema, if that's what they're discussing, Joey says, you say Citizen Kane is certainly in a class by itself. Now, I've heard of Citizen Kane. I've heard it's been said a thousand billion times over. It's the greatest movie ever made in the history of movies. Never seen it, but I know how it ends. Actually, there's a Simpsons episode called Rosebud that is kind of, sort of, I guess, I don't know, in the realm of that, with Mr. Burns losing his beloved Bobo Bear. <laughs> it winds up at the Simpsons house and Maggie just falls in love with it. Yeah, and Jesse's like, oh yeah, Citizen Kane, I saw that movie. The fat dude was in it, right? And Joey says, hey Jess, here's an intellectual hint. Never refer to Mr. Wells, Mr. Orson Wells, as the fat dude. That makes me think of the Thanksgiving episode of Garfield, where Garfield gets on the scale, and the scale is actually talking back to him and saying he's Orson Wells. <laughs> like, I've seen Citizen Kane umpteen times. <laughs> Jesse's like, yeah, great, great, great. I'm feeling smarter already. He's already, he's got on the tie. He's got on the white shirt. All right. What else you got there, Joey? Joey says, Shakespeare trivia. In all the original stage productions, the women's parts were actually played by men. Jesse's putting on a really nice little vest that matches his tie. I like it. It's got kind of a blackish, grayish kind of pattern thing going on. 
Then Jesse brings up, oh, you mean that weird show we saw in Vegas? So, what, is Jesse referring to a drag show? That would be my guess. And Joey just claps Jesse on the shoulder and says, you might want to stay away from Shakespeare. And Jesse grabs his tuxedo jacket and says, all right, look, Joey, I gotta go. You're sure now that all this this information you fed me is going to get me through the party. So, another tip, one last tidbit from Joey says, if there anything comes up that you can't handle, just take the tip of your glasses, put it in your mouth, and say, interesting, but terribly overrated. Ugh. And Jesse tries it, and I swear I just pictured him in a smoking jacket with a pipe in his mouth. And Joey shakes Jesse's hand and says, Congratulations, Jess, you are now a sophisticated intellectual. And of course they're doing, yeah! And they're doing the beating their fists against each other's fists. <laughs> like they're at some college frat party. All right, Joey, you gotta help me, because I'm going to that party. I don't want to look dumb in front of Becky going to be a room full of champions from Jeopardy, and I'm from The Price is Right. <laughs> Relax, Jess, I'll help you out. I did more in college than goof off, chase girls, and party. I was in a fraternity, too. <laughs> now, let's start with literature. Greatest novel ever written? You say I consider it a toss-up between war and peace and crime and punishment. Ooh, the thickest ones, very impressive. <laughs> what else you got? Well, if people are discussing classic cinema, you say Citizen Kane is certainly in a class by itself. Citizen Kane? Oh, I saw that movie. The uh, fat dude was in it, right? <laughs> Here's a little intellectual hint. Never refer to Mr. Wells as the fat dude. Right, okay. Feeling smarter already. What else you got? Shakespeare trivia. All right. In all the original stage productions, the women's parts were actually played by men. Oh, you mean like that weird show we saw in Vegas? You mean a drag film? It's a drag film. You might want to stay away from Shakespeare. Right. All right, Joey, I gotta go. You sure all this stuff's gonna get me through this party? Well, if anything else comes up, just take your glasses and say, interesting, but terribly overrated. Let's try that, okay? <clears throat> interesting, but terribly overrated. Congratulations, Jess. You are now a sophisticated intellectual. Yeah! All right, let's get to this party. So we got someone playing the piano. We got Eric and Becky surrounded by, well, mainly Aaron's listening to Eric. And then we also have a guy reading poetry from a book. We have Danny, again, making a goofball of himself because he's eating, I'm guessing if this is supposed to be pate on a cracker and he's eating it right above Cynthia who's sitting in a chair Danny <laughs> bites into the cracker which proceeds to crumble in his hands and it's he's literally right over Cynthia's head so of course you know where that food is going to go right on the top of her head and Danny's like taking what fell into her hair and putting it back on the cracker what in the world as this guy who's reading poetry is talking about the hunger, the hungry, the hungering, hunger. Oh my goodness gracious. Although Cynthia doesn't say anything at first, she's just kind of got her eyes like 
in a way kind of kind of like what what is he doing in my hair exactly then he proceeds to blow on the top of her head like and then he sits down like nothing happened and the whole time, <laughs> this has got to be cynthia's i'm po'd face or ticked off or whatever because she's like what are you doing? And she's got this smile plastered, her, plastered on her face. Like, she's taken so much with Danny. <laughs> and she's, it's almost like she's really trying to put on, a, I mean, a good face about it. Danny says, uh, you don't want to know. So Jesse comes in by sliding two doors. Almost like he's ma he's making an entrance, but no one sees him there. And he immediately sees Eric and Becky engaged in conversation. So Jesse hangs back. He's like, okay, I can be cool. And he puts his glasses on. I definitely like these gold specked rims more than the ones he had in season one, which were typical ginormous 80s glasses that just the lenses just went on for days. Jesse, it's like he's greeting the room. He's like, oh, hi, hi, nice to see you all. Good evening, hi, good evening. Yeah, he's like shaking hands with people that are just hanging out. He's like, evening, enchanted, hi, nice to see you. So it's like he's working the room, but not. And he says, oh, hi, nice to see both of you. And then he enters the circle of people that uh, Becky is surrounded by. He's like, hi, Becky, how very nice it is to see you. How are you? And, uh, Becky kind of gives Jesse a confused look like, I thought you were home in bed sick. What's, like, what's with the sudden turnaround? And Jesse, you know, does the polite thing, you know, hello, Professor Trent. Charmed, I'm sure. And, and Becky says, honey, just, I, I thought you were sick. And Jesse just brushes it off like, ah, the bacteria hasn't been born that can keep me away from intellectual conversation. So this guy comes up. I think this is the waiter guy. He's like, pardon me. And Jesse takes this as a cue to, oh, well, hello, good man. I, we were just going to discuss cinema. And Becky looks at Jesse with a confused, like, we were? Like, this isn't, this is not Jesse. This is not the Jesse she knows. Clearly, she sees, you know, he's putting on an act like he's trying to impress everybody, which doesn't go over so well. Jesse is taking it right from the book of Joey, saying, Wouldn't you say that Citizen Kane was the finest film ever? And, of course, this guy says, Absolutely. This guy's like a waiter or a coat check guy or something. Because he asked, Je uh, asked Jesse, like, may I check your overcoat, sir? Jesse hands him his coat and snatches the uh, coat check ticket out of the guy's hand. And yeah, Becky's just kind of looking at Jesse like she, like, can't believe, like, this is not Je the Jesse she knows. Oh, and here's where the fumble, the flub comes in, as Jesse says, because he's trying to, he, it's basically like he's trying to impress, like, go head-to-head -head with Eric Trent, who's a professor of English liter or of literature, in front of Becky. Because I think in a way, like, he feels he's going to lose Becky to this professor guy. He says, 
Speaking of literature, wouldn't you say the two finest books ever written? And he's going to flub the title. So you should have just went with one or the other. Would happen to be Crime and War and Peace and Punishment. Now, those are some interesting titles. I want to see if anything like those titles even exist in any type of literature. There's nothing under the names of Crime and War and Peace and Punishment. I was just curious. Because there's umpteen... Yeah, when you put that into Goodreads, it just comes up with War and Peace or Crime and Punishment. Eric, like the douchebag he is, just kind of laughs it off like, huh. And even the people that are just sitting there listening to this conversation are just looking at each other completely confused. And you see Becky, she even, she feels embarrassed for Jesse. Eric trying to be... Ugh. He says, I think you have transposed the titles of a War and Peace and Crime and Punishment. Inadvertently. Why? Becky, you need to open your eyes and wake up. This guy is a jerk. The way he's talking down to your boyfriend. And, oh. And Jesse just plays it off. Well, <laughs> but see, you missed the joke. I transposed them quite vertently. Okay, seriously? Even from across the room, people are looking in Jesse's direction. Like, who is this guy? Oh, there's people on a violin also. Not just a piano. Becky finally pulls Jesse away. Like, Jess, can I talk to you? And Jesse turns to them and says, Excuse me, gents. Becky asks, like, What are you doing? And Jesse's, Yeah, I'm chewing the fat with your egghead buddies. And let, you, let me tell you something. They dig me. I wouldn't say the diggy chess. I think they're looking at you like uh, this guy does not know what he's talking about. What They're probably like, who is this guy? How did he get invited? Why is he here? Of course, here comes Eric with, oh, has anyone seen the new Picasso exhibit at the Museum of Modern Art? And Jesse says, oh, I, I, I highly doubt it's worth the journey. I find Picasso to be, and this is where he sticks his, I don't even know what part of the glasses this would be called. It's the part that goes over and below the ear. But he sticks that part in his mouth and says, I find Picasso to be interesting, but terribly overrated. I would go along with what Jesse says. I definitely think that is a bit overrated. It just it's like the things that get hyped up so much that you just you can't read it because you know it feels like it's going to be oh cuz it's been built up so much by so many people. You just feel like, well, I'm not going to enjoy it as much as I would if I, you know, went to it on my own. But I'm trying to think, yeah, I got into t the Twilight series. The book, the first book came out in 2005, and then the movie came out in 2008. I didn't start reading the first book till like, March of 2009. I actually rented the movie. I rented it. And I just was not impressed. But then I went back, read the book, and then I saw it as another perspective. But then, I mean, when it came out in 2008, I remember because Jeremy's mom and I went and saw, I can't even remember. Wait, that was the year that the Marley and Me movie came out. 
Yeah, because we went and saw Marley and Me, and then we came out, and all these girls were gushing about the the Twilight movie that you know was out in the theater. And I just I hadn't read the series. I didn't really know much about it. So I'm like, okay. So by the time I read, I'm like, Egh. but even with the Hunger Games, I think it was 2011 when I read the first book, and I'm just like, eh. I mean, I definitely liked it, but I think it like really started to blow up shortly after. I mean, because then you got the movie coming out. I think the year after that and all this stuff, but... Of course, Eric takes this as an almost like a personal insult. Like, he knew Picasso. It's like, how dare you? Like, you can't be serious. It's almost like Jesse is coming off like he's kind of mocking all of this. Like, almost kind of like he's making fun of it, even though he's trying his dangest to, you know... Im- he wants to impress them with the knowledge that Joey has put in his head. And Eric says, well, just consider Picasso's blue period. And Jesse says, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I think he should have used more colors. Picasso's paintings of the blue period, the sleeping drinker. The sleeping drinker was one of Picasso's blue period portraits that represented people who were outcasted from society. Mother and child, the old guitarist, Levi, the life Levi is regarded as the pinnacle of Picasso's blue period. Oh, the emotional suffering behind Picasso's blue period. Okay. A time that encompasses women, motherhood, loneliness, melancholy, and death. Oh, oh, yeah. Here's the guitarist. This poor man. He looks like he's just sadly wasting away, you know, playing music on a street corner. Poor guy. So it says that this period roughly began around 1901 when Picasso was just 19. So it looks like um, a friend of Picasso's was killed. Let's see. Oh, wait a minute. Okay. So it looks like um, This uh, friend of Picasso's proposed to someone. They turned him down. He was so depressed that he committed suicide. So the death of which uh, Picasso's friend affected him deeply and became a catalyst for a series of canvases, each characterized by color, cold colors, melancholy blues, and sickly greens. Oh, poor guy. Picasso sank into depression. Financial situations suffered. Blue period depicted the themes of loneliness, death, poverty, female nudity, and mothers with children. Yeah, I didn't know. I mean, I'd heard of Picasso's blue period prior to this, but I didn't know anything about it. Now Eric is going to flat out embarrass the heck out of Jesse. I mean, this is a low blow as... Eric says, Jesse, I'm just curious, where did you go to college? And, of course, Jesse says, oh, back east, way, way back east. And he says, they're out of business now. And, oh, this is, like, what a jerk. He says, well, I can see why. I'm like, excuse, Becky, defend your boyfriend. My gosh, you're going to let here and sit this, let's sit there and let this pompous jerk of a professor because you look like you clearly had a crush on this guy way back when. But come on. Why is it? It always seems like Becky does this. She lets people insult Jesse and never stands up for him. And yeah, he just keeps insulting Jesse. He's like, 
Eric says, which word? Because Jesse says, well, what's that supposed to mean? And Eric says, well, which word didn't you understand? And Jesse's had enough. He says, oh, I'll tell you which word I didn't understand. Now Becky pulls Jesse away. It's like, you need to be talking to your professor. I don't care if it seems like he's hosting this gal event because everyone's surrounding this guy like he's the most amazing thing since sliced bread. He pulls Jesse aside and says, Jesse, you are making a fool out of yourself. And Jesse says, oh yeah, and he's a genius? Watch this. And Jesse spouts out some trivia. Jesse says, yo, brainwave, what's the horsepower of a Harley Davidson Ultra 1340cc? And Eric says, 85. Jesse says, lucky guess, who wrote Hound Dog? And Eric says, Lieber and Stoller. So it seems like Jesse is trying to best this guy at information he knows 100%. But it turns out Eric's kind of turned the tables and this guy knows a lot of stuff. At least Jesse can say he's one thing that Eric isn't, and that is a pompous jerk. And that's exactly what Eric is. He's using, he's flaunting his education and just, it, it, it irritates me beyond belief. I hate, hate, hate when people use their intellect to make other people feel stupid. I can't stand people like that. That's great that you have all that knowledge, but don't turn it around to start insulting people. Jesse starts getting closer saying, all right, how tall is Sammy Davis Jr.? And not even looking at Jesse, Eric says, 5'3". Which, in the trivia, it says he's 5'5", five five, so he'd be like three inches taller than me. Jesse's had enough, like, all right, hey, you want to arm wrestle? And Eric just goes like, excuse me? And Eric says, excuse me? And Jesse says, you want to arm wrestle? You heard me here now. So it feels like if Jesse can't whip him with even knowledge that he's familiar with, it's like, okay, let's put Braun to Braun and see who comes out on top. Again, with these stupid words that Eric's tossing out, that seems a trifle absurd. And Jesse says, well, are you a trifle chicken? And Becky again grabs Jesse by the arm and says, Jesse Katsopoulos, you are not arm wrestling at this party, and that is final. So she has no problem telling off her boyfriend, but she can't tell off this professor? Really? Because that guy's being a jerk. He needs to, he, he's the one that needs to be called out for his behavior. And Jesse says, yes, I am. And she says, no, you're not. And Eric again is like, haven't you embarrassed yourself enough for one evening? I would have socked that guy in the face. Or kneed him in the groin. Something. That guy needs to be taken down a peg. More than one, actually. Eric starts walking away as Jesse goes after him and says, The only guy who's going to be embarrassed is you, pal. And Eric starts taking off his jacket. Says, Well, I can see you're not going to let this go. And Jesse says, No, I'm not, Blondie. So, Jesse and Eric decide to arm wrestle over the top of this piano. And I don't know where Danny's been. Here comes Danny and Cynthia. Like, what's going on? And Becky's like, oh, nothing. Just the traditional arm wrestle to kick off Culture Week. <laughs> oh, Danny says, maybe later we can all go down to the museum for the big tractor pull. All right, someone says go. And here we go with Jesse and 
Eric arm wrestling and you hear the violin in the background like revving up the tension like <laughs> like oh these are high stakes <laughs> yeah it looks like Jesse's gonna win but then Eric starts to you know turn his arm up like get control and you see Danny like get him Jesse get him <laughs> it's almost like the violin the guy in the violin is like the soundtrack for this arm wrestling thing. <laughs> and of course Becky looks at Danny and Danny's like uh, I mean how barbaric I mean how incredibly barbaric <laughs> yeah their arms just their hands clasp, they're going back and forth like Jesse's getting the advantage and then Eric is. And then finally Jesse <laughs> looks at the guy on the violin and says, will you knock it off? No, here's Eric starts throwing out some facts. Like, well, you're strong, but you don't know about leverage. It's like going on, like, you see my arm acts as a lever, my elbow, the fulcrum, Jackie. And I love how Jesse, like, puts a hand up, like, and looking at Becky and Danny, like, can you believe this guy? He's giving me a lesson on arm wrestling. While we're arm wrestling. Like, does this guy ever shut his mouth? Yeah, and as soon, yeah, as, soon as uh, Eric calls him Jackie, Jesse gets the upper hand. Because it seems like while Eric was talking, it's like he was losing focus. And, of course, Jesse slams Eric's hand down and says, It's Jesse! Danny high-fives Jesse. <laughs> and, of course, Jesse looks at Becky and says, You see that? I beat him. And she says, Congratulations. You behave like a total jerk. Whoa! Whoa! Stop the train. Becky, you want to know who the jerk is? The jerk is your professor. Now, if you had any real cojones, you would be telling him off. And saying, Hey! Yeah, I would have like, you know, Eric, I always admired you as, when I was a student taking your class, but now I see you for what you really are, a pompous jerk who just thrives on attention. Jesse takes this personally. As Becky starts to leave and he goes out and he says, oh, you, th you think I'm a jerk, huh? So, yeah, just be honest with me. You think I'm stupid. Yeah, he's taking this personal, and if I were Jesse, I most likely would too. And she says, oh, well, that makes absolutely no sense. And he says, oh, so now I make no sense. So it's kind of like now he's starting to throw her words back at her. And she says, no, now you're being stupid. And he says, well, you think you're so hot with your stuffy friends. He says, these are nice people. Really? Really? Uh-huh. They're nice. I'm sure they are. On a Tuesday of the first of the month. He's like, fine, yeah, they're nice people. You stay with your nice people then. And he said, he's pointing his finger. He's like, let me tell you something. You stay and talk about art, about culture. And he says, you talk about Shakespeare. Let me tell you about your pal Shakespeare. Anyone who makes men dress up like women, I draw the line. He takes his jacket and leaves. <laughs> <laughs> in the end, only the hunger. <laughs> the hunger. <laughs> the hungry, <laughs> hungering, 
hunger. <laughs> what are you doing? You don't want to know. Uh. <laughs> Hello, hi, how are you? Nice to see you all. Good evening. Hi, evening. Evening. Enchanted. Hi. Nice to see you all. Hi. Nice to see you. Nice to see both of you. Hi, Becky. How very nice it is to see you. How are you? Professor Trent? Charmed, I'm sure. Mm. Uh, just, uh, honey, I thought you were sick. Oh, the bacteria hasn't been born that can keep me away from intellectual conversation. Pardon me. Oh, uh, my good man, we were just about to discuss the cinema. We were? Yes, wouldn't you say that Citizen Kane was the finest film ever made? Absolutely. May I check your overcoat, sir? <laughs> Speaking of literature, wouldn't you say the two finest books ever written would happen to be Crime and War and Peace and Punishment? <laughs> what? Uh, I think you have transposed the titles of War and Peace and Crime and Punishment inadvertently. Uh, see, you missed the joke. I transposed them quite vertently. Jess, can I talk to you? Excuse me, gents. What are you doing? I'm chewing the fat with your egghead buddies. Now, let me tell you something. They dig me. Has anybody seen the new Picasso exhibit at the Museum of Modern Art? Oh, I hardly doubt it's worth the journey. I find Picasso to be interesting, but terribly overrated. <laughs> you can't be serious. Just consider Picasso's blue, period. Yeah, well, that's exactly what I'm talking about. I just think you should have used more colors. <laughs> Jesse, I'm curious. Uh, where did you go to college? Oh, yeah, I, I went to college it's back better. east. Way back east. <laughs> You're out of business now. <laughs> I can see why. What a jerk! What's that supposed to mean? Which word didn't you understand? I'll tell you which word I didn't understand. Excuse us, yeah, Eric. You get your butt kicked, buddy. Jesse, you are making a fool of yourself. Oh, and he's you a genius? Just stand up for your boyfriend. Watch this. Yo, brainwave. <laughs> That's the horsepower of a Harley Davidson Ultra 1340cc. 85? <laughs> Lucky guess. Who wrote Hound Dog? Lieber and Stoller. How tall is Sammy Davis Jr.? 5'3". You want to arm wrestle? <laughs> Excuse me? You want to arm wrestle? You heard me right here and now. That seems a trifle absurd. Why, are you a trifle chicken? <laughs> Jesse, you are not arm wrestling at this party, and that is final. Yes, I am. Do not. Haven't you embarrassed yourself enough for one evening? The only guy who's going to be embarrassed is you, pal. Well, I can see you're not going to let this go. No, I'm not, Blondie. Jesse! Hold this. Yo! What's going on? Huh? Oh, nothing. Just the traditional arm wrestle to kick off Culture Week. Maybe later we can all go down to the museum for the big tractor pull. Go! I mean, uh, how incredibly barbaric. Will you knock it off? 
You're strong, but you don't know much about the principle of leverage. You see, my arm acts as the lever, my elbow the fulcrum. Jackie, it's Jesse! Yes, there we go, in your face! Mr. Professor? You see that? I beat him. Congratulations, you behaved like a total jerk. Excuse me. Oh, I'm a jerk, huh? Oh, Jesse, please. Why don't you just admit it? You think I'm stupid, don't you? That makes absolutely no sense. Oh, so now I make no sense? No, now you're being stupid. Well, let me tell you something. You think you're so hot with your little stuffy friends around here. These are nice people. Okay, fine, fine. Yeah, they're nice people. You stay here with your nice people, okay? But let me tell you something. You stay here, you talk about art, you talk about culture, you talk about Shakespeare. Let me tell you something about your pal Shakespeare, okay? Anybody who makes men dress up like women, that's where I draw the line. <laughs> so... Now we cut back to the house because we got to wrap up this whole Michelle insult story. Michelle's sitting in a chair and we have DJ and Stephanie standing over her. It's like they're trying to reprogram Michelle (laughs) into being the sweet Michelle before they started throwing words into her head like cheese head and chicken legs. And DJ tells Michelle, now tell Stephanie she's a very sweet girl. Michelle says, you're a cheesehead. <laughs> and I'm trying to see whether Stephanie is doing like an eye roll or whether she's doing a I'm hurt by this face. Because Michelle takes notice of that immediately. And she says, you're not laughing. And this is where DJ says, you know, we shouldn't have told you to say mean things. It hurts people's feelings. I like this from DJ as she says before we go to bed let's all say something really nice to each other DJ says I'll go first I love you Michelle and Michelle says I love you DJ and Stephanie says I love you too Michelle and Michelle says I love you Steffi because she can't save Stephanie yet DJ says oh that's my sweet little sister and she gives her they each kiss her on the Michelle on the cheek it's just adorable sister moment. Oh, uh, it, it kind of goes overboard here with Michelle, you know, hopping out of the chair, going over to the table, saying, I love you, table. And she says, I love you, chair. And DJ immediately jumps up, like, if we don't stop this, she's going to say, I love you to everything in this room. She says, why don't you go into your room and tell your furniture that you'll love it, that you love it, and we'll be in to tuck you in in a bit. Stephanie's got those fuchsia cowboy boots that match her fuchsia colored black tiger striped shirt. (laughs) We've seen those fuchsia colored cowboy boots in past episodes. Love it. Okay, Michelle, let's try it again. Now tell Stephanie she's a very sweet girl. (laughs) She (laughs) said. We shouldn't have taught you to say mean things because it can hurt other people's feelings. Tell you what, before we go to bed, let's all say something really nice to each other. I'll go first. I love you, Michelle. I love you, TJ. I love you too, Michelle. I love you, Steffi. Oh, that's my sweet little sister. (laughs) I love you, Table. I love you, Chia. That's really good, Michelle. Now, why don't you go into your room and tell all your furniture that you love it, and we'll be right there to tuck you in. I love you, Dora. 
Michelle goes and touches the door and says, I love you, door. And then Uncle, uh, and then Jesse comes upstairs after returning from that really craptacular party. And she's, Michelle says, I love you, Uncle Jesse. It's a man, this hallway is like twice the size of a normal hallway. It is humongous. Yeah, when Michelle says, I love you, Uncle Jesse, Jesse looks at her and says, right back at you, kid. I I love the fact that even at three years old, Michelle can pick up on people's emotions very easily. Because Jesse just walks into his room and she follows right behind him like a little, little duckling. And asks, Uncle Jesse, are you sad? So Jesse sits on the floor leaning against his bed. And Michelle comes over and hugs him. And he's like, yeah, I guess I'm a little sad, kid. And he gives her a kiss. And it's just so sweet. And yeah, she gives, she gives him a kiss back. And he says, thank you, Michelle. I needed that. And he tells her, now listen. Don't grow up and be stupid like your Uncle Jesse, okay? She says, okay. She's touching his face. And he tells her, I want you to be smart. And I want you to go to college, and I want you to learn everything you can learn, all right? And he says, all right, let me hear those ABCs I taught you. Ready? He says, all right, ready? Go. And then she starts doing the A, B, C, D, E, F, G. She does kind of get the N, O, M, N, O, P, but then again, she's not. But, I mean, over other than that, I mean, it's really, really good. I mean, that's great. She, and then at the end, she says, next time, won't you sing with me? I thought the line before that is, now I know my ABCs. Next time, won't you sing with me? And Jesse says, yeah, next time I'll sing with you. Oh, it's just a sweet moment for, between Jesse and Michelle. I love their moment. It's so sweet. So adorable. And he looks at her and says, you're very smart, Michelle. And she says, you're smart, too. Aw. And Jesse says, yeah, if I were so smart, I wouldn't have blown it with Becky tonight at that party. And he says, you know what I mean? And she says, I know. <laughs> and hey, well, he's just asking her for advice. Like, I should straighten this out, stuff out with Becky, right? And she says, right. He says, I should tell her exactly what's in my heart, right? And she says, right. He says, I should find a special way to do it, right? And she says, right. And he says, thanks for the talk, Michelle. You know, I don't know what I would have done if you weren't home tonight. <laughs> I love their little talk. It's just so sweet. He says, I love you, sweetheart. And she says, I love you, cheesehead. <laughs> Still with the cheesehead. And she walks out of the room and he says, Did she just call me cheesehead? I love you, Uncle Jesse. Right back at you, kid. <laughs> Uncle Jesse, are you sad? Yeah, I guess I'm a little sad, kid. Thank you, Michelle. I needed that. Listen, don't grow up and be stupid like your Uncle Jesse, okay? Okay. I want you to be smart. I want you to go to college. And I want you to learn everything you can learn. All right? Now, let me hear those ABCs I taught you, okay? Ready? Go! Y-N-D. Next time, won't you sing with me? Yeah, next time I'll sing with you. You're very smart, Michelle. You're smart, too. Hey, if I was so smart, I wouldn't have blown it with Becky and I. You know what I mean? I know. 
I should straighten this thing out with Becky, right? What? I should tell her exactly what's in my heart, right? What? I should, I should find a special way to do it, right? What? Thanks for the talk, Michelle. I don't know what I would have done if you weren't home tonight. I love you, sweetheart. I love you, Cheesehead. Did she just call me Cheesehead? When Jesse is saying, telling Michelle she was she is smart and she's telling him you are smart, this scene from this movie came to mind. I'm gonna play the clip and you can see if you can get it. Hold on a second. It was kind. You is smart. You is important. You is smart. You is kind. Yes, that was from the movie The Help that came out 10 years ago. And actually around this month, it came out. I remember because I saw it in the theater. I was, I couldn't wait. I'd read the book. Such a good movie. And this, and of course, the towards the very end, it just, it breaks my heart. But just the fact that Amy does tell this little girl that she's been raising since she was a baby. Her words of saying, you was smart, you was kind, you was important, stayed with this little girl as she repeats it back to her. Sorry, I, did, I teared up a little bit. All right, so now Jesse is outside Becky's window and he is serenading her with a song. Mind you, I thought Becky lives in an apartment or something like that. Well, of course, he's leaning back against the railing of, I'm guessing it's like a little patio type balcony thing as the light flicks on inside her apartment and... She opens the window and pops her head out. Jesse, his voice was made for ballads. Beautiful. I love this song. It's so good. I don't know if the title of the song, I think it's like, I Belong to You. And it's just so sweet and beautiful. And Becky opens the window and she sits right in the, in the window frame there. And just listening to Jesse saying, oh my gosh, so gorgeous. And he says he wrote that for her tonight. And he finishes the song and she says, 
Jess, that was beautiful. It was a beautiful song. He says, I wrote it for you tonight. And she says, I loved it. So he hops up on the railing and he says, oh, Becky. And he leans in to kiss her. And she puts a hand up and she says, freeze, Romeo. It's like, no, we need to talk about how you acted at the party tonight. You're not getting it off so easily by singing a song to me that you just wrote. She says, about tonight. And he says, was I that bad? And she says, Jesse, you were arm wrestling at the arts festival. He says, I'm surprised you didn't yell food fight and start flinging the pate. And Jesse does apologize. He says, I'm sorry I embarrassed you. And this here comes from the heart next. He says, it's just that there's this whole other side of your life that I'm not a part of. Oh my gosh, my heart. He says, tonight I felt that I wasn't good enough for you. And he says, I can't compete with all those smart people. This is Je definitely Jesse is showing, he's being honest and he's just, he, he's wearing his heart on his sleeve. He's so vulnerable right now and just leaving himself open. Just, then again, I mean, Jesse had been with, before Becky, he'd been with women, but was never serious to the point where he, he felt like he was kind of throwing himself to the wolves here by going to this party and everything and just feeling he probably even some part of him felt inferior to these people that have been to college and they have all this knowledge and stuff like that and it's great that people want to do this that they they want to store up this knowledge and have it to just throw out and stuff but it's like do it for yourself. Don't do it because you want to impress people at a party. That's exactly what it feels like. That pro this Professor Eric is one of the... He, he's arrogant. He flaunts his intelligence to make other people feel inferior. That is not a person that I would ever respect. At, not as a teacher... And not as a human being. It's fine to be smart, but like I said, you don't gotta be a jerk about it and use it to make other people feel less. Put people down. And Becky looks at him kind of confused and she says, it's not a competition. And Jesse says, yes it is. I'm afraid some guy who wrote a book or heck even a guy who, who read a book is gonna come along and sweep you off your feet. Oh, I just, my heart, like I said, it goes out to Jesse. As he says, I don't know. Mm, see, I'm tearing up. I, I don't know if I'm smart enough for you. My gosh, how many times have I felt that way with my own husband? And it's nothing that he does, mind you. He's seven years older. You know, he, he went to college and stuff like that. And he has a plethora of knowledge, but never would he take that knowledge and throw it in my face and make me feel inferior. But dang it, do I feel so dumb sometimes. And just all the stuff that I don't know that people 10, 20 years for me is just common knowledge to them. And a lot of it... <laughs> You know, a lot of it has to do with the fact that, yes, I did. And I'm sorry this is hitting on such an emotional 
part for me. But, you know, leading a sheltered life, being in special ed, you only learn what your teachers are going to give you. And then I guess the rest is just up to you and stuff. But it stinks. It stinks. And not just in relationships, but in... Take the job market, for example. Competing with other people that are younger than you have more knowledge and everything. It's like, how can you not feel inferior to that? And, you know, I don't take it as a, as, you know, a personal against, you know, someone's slight against me or anything like that, but it just, it just, this, what he says, it hits a nerve in me. And even for anyone who's ever felt not good enough or not smart enough, not just for a person, but for... So, yeah, going back to the episode here, Becky is surprised when Jesse says, she says, how can you say that? And he says, well, you know, I mean, I never went to college. And she says, so what? And I I like what Becky says here. She says, Jesse, just because you missed out on some formal education doesn't mean you're not intelligent. And that's the truth. It's like... Quite a few people don't, quite a few people don't go on to college because college, you know, or maybe some do and they feel like maybe college just isn't the right fit. And I believe the saying is, yeah, college isn't for everybody. As in, everyone chooses their own path and maybe when, if they give it a try and they're like, well, maybe it's just not the right road I'm supposed to take. And there's nothing wrong with that if college isn't for you. Think about it. You spend 12 years of your child, pretty much your whole childhood, going to college, going to college, going to school. And then right after you get out of graduate, it's like, okay, here's another four years or more of college, of schooling. But if that's what you want to do, that's awesome. That's great. But I like that what Becky says here. She, yes, I love how she says, look at everything you've accomplished on your own. You're a success in advertising. You wrote a beautiful love song for me in one night that touched my heart. And I love how she <laughs> this is so cool. She said, and your smartest move yet was you picked me for your girlfriend. I love how she blushes at that. She's, uh, bravado and Becky. I love it. And Jesse, you know, lets her in. You know, when I was cramming for this party, I read a few of those books and, you know, they were pretty good. And, you know, Jesse mentioned, you know, Plato, a nice Greek kid. And he says, you know, I think maybe I'll read some more and, you know, maybe you and I can talk about it. And she says, okay. That's great, Jess. Challenge yourself. Enrich your life. And she says, but do it for you, not for me. Yeah, exactly. Do it because you want to do it, not because you feel like you have to do it. It's, oh, it's so sweet. She says, you never have to be anyone but the sweet, caring, sensitive lunatic I fell in love with. Oh, oh. I love Jesse and Becky. I love how we get to see their relationship grow and unfold over time, over the course of, you know, this is season three. You know, they start, they met and started dating in, you know, 
season two and then of course we have season three where pretty much dating and then season four is where they become engaged they get married just it's beautiful you get to see their relationship unfold and develop over the course from season two all i mean really all the way i mean them from dating to marriage to being you know parents and working together as a team and it just it's so sweet and it feels like yes the relationship does feel kind of like a nice slow burn that just develops and ages like you know i mean i don't drink but as they say age is like fine wine or maybe cheese or something like that she kisses him and he breaks away and he says i have no choice you leave me no choice have mercy <laughs> and they kiss, and that's how the episode ends. Tell me how it feels to know love is real. I Tonight. Was I that bad? Jesse, you were arm wrestling at the arts festival. I'm surprised you didn't yell food fight and start flinging the pate. Well, I'm sorry I embarrassed you. It's just that it's a whole other side of your life that, that I'm not part of. Tonight, I, I felt that I wasn't good enough for you. I can't compete with all those smart people. <clears throat> It's not a competition. Yes, it is. I'm afraid some guy who wrote a book or some guy who read a book is going to come around and sweep you off your feet. <laughs> I don't know if I'm smart enough for you. How can you say that? Well, you know, I never went to college. So what? Jesse, just because you missed out on some formal education doesn't mean you're not intelligent. Look at everything you've accomplished on your own. You're a success in advertising. You wrote a beautiful love song for me in one night that touched my heart. And your smartest move yet was you picked me for your girlfriend. <laughs> you know, when I was cramming for this party, I, I read a few of those books, and they were pretty good, you know? Plato, a nice Greek kid. <laughs> I think maybe I'll, I'll read some more and... Maybe you and I can talk about it. Okay. That's great, Jess. Challenge yourself. Enrich your life. 
do it for you, not for me. You never have to be anyone but the sweet, caring, sensitive lunatic I fell in love with. I have no choice. You leave me no choice. Have mercy! <laughs> All right. As I said, that's the episode. I hope you all enjoyed it. I know I did get a little, you know, real and emotional, you know, momentarily for a minute. But I just, I think sometimes the show does bring it out in me and makes me realize my own feelings and I don't want to call them flaws or anything like that, but my own insecurities, if you will, sometimes. So, the best, I hands down, I'm giving it to Jesse. I loved his, his tux, his look at the party. It was great. Worst outfit for, <laughs> is gonna straight up go to Cynthia Ryan when she was on Wake Up San Francisco. That, like, uh, pale, dusty, rose, flesh-colored top and pant combo thing, which is just not... It didn't go get... And even the dress could even be a runner-up worst outfit for her dress that she wore. It just was not, not flattering in the slightest. I don't know what it is. I just... It was not flattering. Not appeal, Not anything. So, <laughs> yeah. Tanner Teachable Moment of course, is going to go with Jesse. First of all, we all have things about us. Or, let me let me just start out by saying, you know, when you are in a relationship, it doesn't even have to be a relationship with, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever, significant other or spouse. It can be even with your friends. You know, sometimes you feel like your friends are talking about something and you really don't really know about you probably or or just stuff that sounds like common knowledge but you yourself just never knew about and it's just like how do you how do you deal with that how do you handle that how do you address it do you bring it up do you play like oh yeah I know the blah 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 or how, how do you do that without I mean feeling you know, weird or making yourself like, oh, uh, if I say something, they're going to think I'm not smart or something to that effect. How do you deal with that? Or do you deal with it? Uh, The other thing (laughs) was DJ and Stephanie telling Michelle to say mean things. So it's like DJ and Stephanie were like fighting through Michelle as Michelle was the telephone in a way. Um, I'm sure there are people some of you out there either have been the younger sibling and been used as a go-between between your older siblings or you've been the older sibling and done that to your little sibling. It's just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, come on, guys. If you don't want that stuff to be repeated because you know it's gonna. You know it's gonna. Maybe don't do that because you know it's probably gonna blow up in your face later. Yeah. Okay, so here's the release schedule. August 6th, which is tomorrow, Friday, Sisterly Love is going to be uploaded. The 13th of August, which is next Friday. Oh my oh my gosh, it's Friday the 13th. Um, <laughs> this episode, play, uh, 
no more mystery. I almost said play it again, Jesse, but that's in season five. No, um, this episode, no more Mr. Dumb Guy, of course, in honor of Jesse's birthday. I won't be here that week because I'll be in Michigan, so I'll be uploading that on the 13th. And then, take my sister, please, the final episode in the sisters double feature, part one, because there will be a part two later on down the road. That is going to be released on the 27th. And then, of course, we will have the Back to School series. So I'm just thinking, I think that one is going to be released. First one will be released on the 3rd. Then we have, I think, um, because I wanted to do the volunteer for the Alzheimer's Day, which I believe is in September. Then you have... (laughs) Dave Coulier's birthday which I will be doing Joey's Place from season 1 and then I think the 24th is going to be so we'll have Nerd for a Day we'll have The Volunteer we'll have Joey's Place and then we will have A Pinch for a Pinch then in October we will have the last two remaining episodes which are Working Girl and Stephanie Gets Framed along with Basic Training from Fuller House season 5 in honor of Elias Harger's birthday So, yeah. And that's pretty much the podcast schedule for this show. So, all right, everyone. I hope that you all have a good weekend, that your August is going well. And I will be back on the 13th. I'll be posting this episode on the 13th. So, all right, everybody. Also, again, if you want to email the podcast, I'd love to hear from you. Email... I put it in the email episode description, omhcfhfhpodcast at gmail.com if you want to get heard on the podcast. Also, if you, like I said, if you're enjoying the podcast and you want to support it, jump on iTunes, Apple Podcast, search out Oh My Lanta, Holy Chalupas, Full House, Fuller House, just type in Full House Podcast or Fuller House Podcast. The Oh My Lanta, Holy Chalupas podcast will pop up. And just go scroll down to leave a review. You can have fun with a review. Use emojis. Somebody actually did that. And I thought that was the coolest thing. Trying to get me to guess like who the characters are based on emojis. You can do that. You know, you can leave, you know, a review. All five-star reviews really help the podcast get noticed and set apart from other Full House and Fuller House. Full House and Fuller House podcasts like yourself. Like, <laughs> like other Full House and Fuller House fans like yourself. So, all right. Bye-bye, everybody.